Going down the runway, picking up speed Ground moving fast underneath me The wheels come up off the ground High in the air where the birds abound Some fly fast and some fly slow On the Peter Porter Show Hi everyone, Captain Abel here And welcome to the beautiful Grand Mountain Air Base Nestled snugly in the Grand Mountains Halfway between Kalaroo and Upakatakwa There are few, if any, emotions That can truly equal that of saving a life Two times, yours truly saved someone, and I felt like this must be the reason I was created. You feel like, if I die right now, I will have lived a full life, whether you're 18 or 80 years old. Now, we all know that Charlie is a rescue pilot, so if anyone is used to saving lives, it's him. But our story today goes above and beyond the ordinary. It all happened during the worst winter storm of the year, as a transport aircraft was carrying brave soldiers home from fighting overseas. Army Transport 130 to Weather Center. Can you give me a weather forecast for the Grand Mountains? Over. Army Transport, this is Mountain Weather Control. We have intermittent wideouts and blizzard conditions. Wind gusts up to 100 miles an hour. We advise heading south 300 miles or waiting for weather to clear. Can you confirm that? I've got a pocket of blue sky over the Grand Mountains in front of me right now. Roger. Grand Mountains are fly at your own risk. Conditions are changing rapidly. Strongly recommend flying south 300 miles to avoid storm. So inside the 130, Lieutenant Monzo and Captain Tram discussed their options. Captain, I'm gonna change course to fly around this storm. How long will that take, Lieutenant? 600 miles out of the way, plus I'll have to refuel at the Air Force Base in Arrowhead. That's an additional 150 miles. At best, a six-hour delay. Six hours? That's unacceptable. These boys have been away from families for months. Their arrival has been rescheduled once already. They've got families waiting at the airport for them. I don't want them to have to go home again. Can we fly over it? Already the transport was beginning to buffet in the high winds, and the rain falling on the windshield was turning to snow. Weather control, how high is this system to fly over it? Cumulonimbus clouds with ice storms up to 20,000 feet. Above that, you should be fine. Thank you, weather control. Can we get over it, Lieutenant? <sighs> Probably. Just depends how heavy the ice is up there. And if wind is gusting over 100 miles an hour, but can we make it? Yeah, probably, but let's get these boys home tonight. Go for it. And so, Lieutenant Monzo pushed all four throttles forward, and the transport with a total of 23 of America's finest on board began climbing through the storm. Not a bad break, Mr. Wing, but you've set me up perfectly. The game is yours, it appears. It would be embarrassing for you not to win now. Embarrassing's not a word in my vocabulary. Hi, McLean. Hi, Mr. Wing. Good day, Becky. Hi, Miss Love. Afternoon, Becky. How's the storm? Oh, hi, Colonel Pickles. 
That's a terrible storm, but it looks like there's a little break coming. Say, has anyone seen Charlie? His truck's in the parking lot, but he can't be out flying right now. Probably sleeping in that bucket of bolts he calls an airplane. He does love that airplane of his. He and Peter Porter are almost inseparable. Why, I remember one time back in the year... What's this? Attention all rescue personnel in the vicinity of Grand Mountains between Kalaru and Upakatakwa. This is a U.S. Army emergency bulletin. At approximately 2 p.m., an Army 130 transport issued a mayday with heavy icing and crashed in the mountains. We have lost radio contact, but GPS transponder places them on top of Flat Top Mountain, approximately 70 miles south of Grand Mountain Air Base. We urgently request all available rescue aircraft to provide immediate assistance. You heard the man. Becky, how's the weather look? There's a clearing right now. I guess for only 30 minutes or so. All right. If there are survivors, we need to bring those boys home. Becky, warm up your helicopter. McLean, does the auto have skis on it? You can land on top of Tabletop Mountain. Not the auto, but the beaver does. I'm on my way. Charlie's already taking off. Well, there's one thing to be said for sleeping in your airplane. Well, I remember back in 1940. This is Porter Peter Yankee Zulu on takeoff. So Charlie took off in his plane Peter Porter to search for survivors on Flat Top Mountain. And only five minutes behind him came Becky Love in her helicopter and Vane McLean flying in a beaver. Wait for us, Charlie. We're about five minutes behind you. Sounds good to me. But just a few minutes later, a strong snow flurry separated Charlie from the others. Becky, it's McLean. Turn around and head back. I repeat, turn back. What's wrong, McLean? I just got caught in a snow flurry that's bouncing me around like a tennis ball at Wimbledon. I can't see which way is up or down. Well, there, I've made it out of it now. Can you see Charlie? I'm heading back towards you. I'm not trying to fly through that. Oh yeah, I see you heading my way. Well, if you can't get through in the beaver, there's no way I'm going to try it in my bell. Charlie, this is McLean. You're on your own. We're heading back toward base. Watch out for snow flurries. All right. Copy that, McLean. So, Charlie powered through toward Flat Top Mountain, hoping to make it to the crash site before any snow flurries caught up with him. Not only that, but Charlie was a veteran himself, and he imagined those brave men and women who serve our country, now possibly injured and in the freezing cold. If he didn't make it to them now, it would be another day until any chance of help could reach them. He had to find them. So Charlie pressed onward, only a few more minutes and he would round the shoulder of Mount Colossus and see Flat Top Mountain, and somewhere on or near it, the wreckage of a Transport 130. The wind howled around his plane Peter Porter, bouncing it to and fro. Ice tried to form on the wing, but the equipment on Peter was in tip-top shape and prevented any icing from occurring. This is Porter Peter Yankee Zulu to Grand Mountain Air Base, come in over. 
Colonel Pickles here. Is that you, Charlie? Roger, Colonel. I have visual on the crash right in the middle of Flat Top Mountain. Looks pretty bad. I'm gonna set down and search for survivors. Flat Top Mountain used to be the twin of Mount Colossus, except about a thousand years ago it erupted, blowing its top clean off. The caldera left behind had cracked and crumbled away, leaving a mostly flat surface. And in the winter, when heavy snow landed on it, a surface flat enough and large enough to land aircraft on. Charlie circled the wreckage one time. One wing had broken off and burned up. Black smoke trails still floated heavenward from the port wing. The starboard wing remained attached to the front half of the fuselage and escaped any fire damage so far. The back half of the airplane rested a hundred feet away from the front, and most of it was already covered with a blanket of snow. Charlie finished his circle and lined up for his landing. Oh God, let there be someone left alive in there, please. Hello! Is anybody there? Hey, we're over here! Thank you, God. Charlie was relieved to see huddled in the back of the empennage, underneath a few light blankets, were two dozen soldiers, several lying on their backs, either wounded or perhaps dead. When the plane caught fire, we ran over here. I'm Captain Tran. I'm Lieutenant Monzo. I was doing my best to, to fly over the storm. Who else is coming for us? For today, I'm afraid I'm it. Weather forced the others to turn back. And I either need to get out of here right away, or else I'm spending the night with you. Spend the night? That's unacceptable. It must be zero degrees already. We've got to get out of here today. Look, I can take the wounded and a couple others if you like, but no one else is coming till this weather clears. I won't let my men freeze to death out here. That's something you should have thought of before you ordered me to fly through the storm. I didn't order you to, and I still don't understand how you lost control of your airplane, Lieutenant. How I lost control? With all respect, Captain, I just landed 50 tons of airplane going 200 miles per hour on a 100-acre mountaintop. That's like throwing a quarter across a room and having it land on top of a broomstick. You call that a landing? All right, all right, guys. Now, my maximum capacity is 14. That's assuming your wounded can sandwich together and assuming I get enough speed going over the edge of this mountain to pull out before I hit the forest. Now, Captain, you decide and get them to my plane because I'm leaving in five minutes. <sighs> Lieutenant, you get on board. I'll start sending men to you. This was all my fault. I should have listened to your advice. No, sir. It's my plane, my crash. I had the decision to go around or not. I've got to stay with my plane. You take the wounded and some others. Captain Tran took one look in Lieutenant Monzo's eyes and saw that there would be no pulling rank to persuade the young pilot. Lieutenant Monzo was staying. Captain Tran would have to go with the rest and Charlie. All right then. Pilot, can you bring your plane closer to load the men? I'm on it, and it's Charlie. Okay, Charlie. Lieutenant, get the wounded on board. Then pick men according to weight. Load the lightest first. They'll help the plane fly better, and I reckon the heavier ones will survive the cold better. Yes, sir. Charlie had difficulty taxiing through the light and drifting snow, but with enough throttle, Peter made his way to the tail section. The skies were dark all around him. 
with the wind blowing snow flurries across the mountaintop. The wind speed roared 20 to 30 miles per hour, but earlier in the day, 100 mile per hour gusts had been reported on the mountaintops. Charlie was not planning on being around when those gusts returned. All right, help Peter's in. He's got a broken leg. Okay, now St. James, keep pressure on that wound of his. Cumbry, can you walk? Yes, sir, I think so. Captain, all the wounded are on board. Okay, come on, let's load ten more. Nine more, Captain. You said you could carry fourteen. That's including me. Nine more. With reluctance, the captain loaded a total of twelve men plus himself and Charlie Faith, the pilot. He looked at the other ten men with Lieutenant Monzo, huddling in the tail of the aircraft, shivering violently in the bitter cold. My equipment is icing up. Temperatures are dropping. We've got to go now. There's still a little space in here, Charlie. We could fit some more men. It's not the space, it's the weight. It'll be hard enough with all these guys on board. As Charlie taxied for takeoff, he turned around close to the tail section at the edge of the mountain. He could see the tiny blankets whipping in the wind that were to protect the soldiers through the night. Would they survive, he wondered? If he had tried carrying too many people years earlier, he had paid a price for it. Both he and Captain Sam watched from the comfort inside to the quarters while Lieutenant Monzo and the others watched from outside in the tiny shelter of the tail. Just then, a tiny break in the clouds shone down a lone beam of sunlight on the men huddled in the tail. A still small voice spoke into Charlie's heart and Captain Trans at the same time. Let's take them. The side doors closest to the stranded men opened. Come on, come on, let's go, everyone in. Hooray! Are you sure about this, pilot? You're adding an extra 2,000 pounds of payload. Do you pray with your men, Captain? I don't, but Cumbry does. Well, tell him to start praying. The men were squished together like high schoolers packing a phone booth. The door barely fastened shut with army fatigues pressed against the windows everywhere except in the cockpit. Charlie and Captain Tran even slid their seats forward as far as they could to create more space. From somewhere in the pile of humanity, a prayer began. Charlie gave the captain a nod. Then, over his shoulder, he gave the worried Lieutenant Monzo a nod as well. I sure hope you know what you're doing. Oh, what I'm doing is crazy. I sure hope God knows what he's doing. Heaven help us. Amen. Here goes nothing. Peter's engine roared to full power. And for a moment, it seemed as if nothing would happen weight on the skis, the soft snow they had sunken into. But then, as Charlie wiggled the rudder pedals, Peter began to move, painfully slow at first, and still too slow it seemed as they crunched along the mountaintop, then began sliding, then began bouncing, but it was too little too late. They were already at the edge. Look out! Hang on, everyone. Peter Porter plunged over the edge of the mountain and began racing down the steep side. The peak of the mountain was above the tree line, but only another thousand feet below them was the snow-laden forest. Peter launched off the top of a large rock, which would make a snowboarder scream for joy. 
The plane took to the air as Charlie pulled back on the stick. He could feel the lack of resistance in the yoke as the plane teetered on the verge of a high-speed stall. Come on, Peter, fly! Thine is the kingdom and the power and the, power and the glory forever. Amen. The trees raced towards them as Peter hung perilously in the air just above the snow. Charlie had no options left but to pray as he pulled back on the yoke. Hooray! They had made it. The worst was behind them as Peter settled into the denser air flying at maximum power. But the wind still buffeted them. The snow still blinded them. And as Charlie headed into the wind around Mount Colossus, he watched as his airspeed indicator would shoot up to 300 knots in the heavy gusts. The snow blocked all sight of Mount Colossus, and Charlie turned his full attention to the horizon indicator, the altimeter, and to his GPS to see when it would be safe to make his turn for home. Twenty minutes later, and the snow finally cleared enough to see outside. I see an airport. That's it. Grand Mountain Air Base. The runway lay under a blanket of snow, but the lights illuminated the way just in time for Charlie to see. Pilot, can you see your left ski? I think it got bent when we hit that rock on the side of the mountain. I think you're right. Peter can handle it. Who in the world is Peter? You're riding in him. Charlie was used to landing at about 70 knots, but with such a heavy load, with the wind buffeting him as he approached, he approached the threshold at 130 knots. He dropped the flaps for a little extra lift, but pushed the throttle forward a little more. Just before touchdown, he rocked in some right aileron and touched down on the starboard ski. As the plane landed, the wings began to level, so Charlie threw in more right aileron to keep the left ski up. Charlie watched Peter's right wingtip as it nearly touched the ground, balancing on one ski. The speed came down. 70 knots, 60 knots, and when he could balance no more, he let the left ski touch down. As the bent ski touched down, Peter Porter started to turn hard to the left and skidded gently off the runway into the deeper snow, coming to a sudden but safe halt. Wow. Pilot, I will remember that landing for the rest of my life. That was fantastic. Let's hear it for Charlie. Hip, hip. Hooray! Hip hip! Hooray! But while the soldiers were cheering and celebrating, Charlie was quiet and no one really knew why. If his best friends had seen him, even they wouldn't know exactly why, for this miracle takeoff and landing was bittersweet. It worked this time, but last time it had failed. He exited the cockpit just as the army transport truck and ambulance arrived. Colonel Pickles exited from the passenger door of the transport. How is it, Charlie? How many men were you able to bring back? It looks like you've got a full load. How many are still on the mountain? Charlie didn't answer, but opened the side doors as soldier after soldier began spilling out. The onlookers' jaws dropped as more and more men exited, until at last, only the three wounded remained aboard. There's none on the mountain, sir. We brought back everything. Colonel Pickles was flabbergasted as 23 soldiers climbed out, including the wounded who were helped to the ambulance. A tear even ran down the corner of his haggard old face as he thought of the 23 families that would celebrate their loved one's safe arrivals home, even if it was a day later than planned. 
Colonel, is it? I'm Captain Tran, United States Army. Colonel Salty Pickles, RAF retired. Well, this is one fine pilot you got yourself, sir. A credit to your airbase. Colonel Pickles looked enduringly at Charlie. He would never admit it, but he took pride in Charlie, like a father in his son. He certainly is, Captain. He certainly is. Well, the soldiers eventually got home, and aside from a few bangs, breaks, and bruises, none were seriously hurt. Captain Tran and Lieutenant Monzo were tried for ignoring a weather service report. Neither were court-martialed, but Captain Tran was stripped of his rank and reduced to Lieutenant Second Class, while the pilot, Lieutenant Monzo, kept his rank, but was reassigned as a co-pilot for the next 18 months. Charlie's plane Peter had no real damage, just needed a new ski stuck on. As for Charlie, well, he didn't really know what to make of his death-defying takeoff. He tried something similar years ago in Bolivia, and it ended in disaster. This time, it ended in glory. So all Charlie could figure is that if God gives you the green light, then go for it. And if he doesn't, then don't try it on your own without him. Until next time, this is Captain Abel saying farewell for now from the beautiful Grand Mountain Air Base halfway between Upacataqua and Kalaru. Soldiers in the Snow was written and directed by David Shorts. Peter Porter theme song written by Holly and David Shorts. Special music used with permission by the Crones and Dead Poet Clan. Aircraft sound effects are used with permission from aircrafttrivia.info. All locations and personalities are purely fictitious and represent no real or implied entities. Peter Porter is the property of David Shorts and is available from thesecondlevel.com.